You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. You could probably use a Bilt Bar after tonight's performance at home in front of the largest crowd the NBA has had all season long. The Miami Heat faced an 0-2 deficit against the Milwaukee Bucks, and basically they did exactly the same thing in Game 3 that they did the previous game, namely getting blown out. 113-84, and now the team stands just one game away from a potential and very likely sweep. It's hard to quantify exactly what went wrong. Early on, Miami did look engaged and active. They made a a change to the starting lineup, inserting Goran Dragic. Goran finished with just 8 points on 3 of 14 shooting, however. One of his worst games this season, if not the worst. But Miami did have open looks. Uh, Bam and Jimmy were looking for and taking mid-range jumpers. But it kind of all had the feeling of fool's gold, as those are exactly what Milwaukee's defense was purposely allowing. Those mid-range shots are going to be open because they want you to take those, because they don't want you to take three-pointers. And sure enough, that was the issue. Miami's three-point shooting was absolutely abysmal. Even with Goron hitting two of six and Jimmy hitting two of four from three-point range, Miami's best threat from downtown, Duncan Robinson, finished 0 of four. Prior to the series, there was some concern that Robinson would struggle with Milwaukee just as he had during the playoffs last season. The difference was, of course, a healthier, better Dragic, who shot very well and was Miami's leading scorer in that series. And, of course, Jay Crowder, who shot 45% from three and whose offense and defense, absolutely, was invaluable in helping bail Miami out of late uh, possession, you know, in in a shot clock. Uh, He would just be there as your third, fourth Fifth scoring option at times, always open from the wing, and again at 45%, hitting almost half of his shots from three-point range. The Heat on the night finished just 28% from three. I'm sure a lot of you are already looking past this series to the offseason. Believe me, there'll be plenty of time to talk about who the team brings back and who they look to add, but I'm not going to do that just yet. Not because the series is still on and Miami has a chance or anything like that. Even the most illusional fan would have a hard time ignoring the historic impossibility of a comeback. I'll just look at today's game, what Miami can do in game four, and then take it one day at a time from there if they're able to push the series to a fifth game or not. I'll start with Dragic, as many will look to that as the one, perhaps the only, notable change that Eric Spolstra made. That's been a big sticking point, something I'll address later on. It's hard to overlook Goron's struggles from the floor, but it's also hard, at least for me, to think in hindsight if it was because he was having a bad night or how much you can credit Milwaukee's defense. Some of those shots looked like they were really open. That's at least my recollection of things, especially from the perimeter. He had those shots. He just wasn't able to capitalize. Two of six, that's fine, 33%. But you'd like him to hit, ideally, a couple more of those and maybe shift the momentum a little bit later on. If he hits those shots early... Then the deficit, and it did get quite bad in the first quarter, it doesn't seem quite as difficult to overcome. But that's been a lot of the series, hasn't it? Milwaukee just, they had a terrible shooting performance from three-point range in game one, historically bad, 16%. And then Heat still needed some late-game heroics just to stay within a possession or two and perhaps even winning that game. But they didn't. 
They lost that opportunity. Of course, the Bucks have been better since then. They blew them out in Game 2, and that continued in Game 3. They stopped Miami from building any momentum at any point in time. And that's they've just hit an incredible amount of shots that have seemed to deflate the heat completely. And, and that just, you hate breaking it down. I'm sure there's minutia there. But you also trust that Eric Spolstra, the analytics team on the heat, the everything that they've all said about you know what what the series needed has come down to very oversimplistic terms that they should try harder that they should give a better effort i don't know it's it's kind of hard to make that argument one way or the other to me it felt like they were trying even my uh, contemporary over at locked on bucks kane pitman admitted that the heat looked like they were giving a great effort and i'd have to agree with that i, I think they were trying it just didn't seem like it was ever enough. And again, this is it feels kind of dismissive of the way basketball analysis has trended over the last couple of years, which is to look at, you know, maybe he didn't hit this shot from the corner, and maybe that's a, a shift in the way the offense is being run, and maybe you kind of do something differently in terms of play calling. And certainly, there could absolutely be adjustments on that end. I'm sure Eric Spolster will be the first to say that he did not do enough. And that's kind of hard to stomach. It's it's very hard to believe that, I think, because given Spo and his success in the bubble last year, the success he's had really over the course of his career, and this will really just bring up a lot of the same kind of tired narratives of, oh, he can't win without Dwayne Wade, he can't win without LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe. Uh, it's any coach. Any coach has to win with superstar players. I think Greg Popovich is widely regarded, and for good reason, as the best coach of all time. And you put DeMar DeRozan on his team, and they don't even make the playoffs. It's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, they're going to take too much credit and uh, too much blame for the kind of success those teams have had. Uh, it's just You still wonder whether or not Spolster should have done things a little bit differently, but maybe that's a conversation best saved for another time. Overall, though, I'd have to just say Miami, Miami just looks – defeated out there not just literally actually rather but also metaphorically emotionally they seem beat they seem spent and i could look into whether or not this is a product of the short offseason things of that sort that's a convenient excuse and i'm sure that jimmy butler and everybody else in that locker room will not accept that excuse it might have some realistic impact on this team i i really i, I think it would be hard for any person who studied the science of sleep deprivation and travel and everything else in the short season and the weird off season and everything else. It's just so much of this year has been very, very difficult to really extrapolate anything in terms of what teams and how could they could bounce back again. I, I, prior to the series, my thought process was that Jimmy, just as he said, would have some kind of Im magical impact that he would be able to take over games. That was not the case. He said he liked his chances over everybody. And I think last season kind of proved that that's a good bet. You take that bet nine times out of ten. And unfortunately, it just hasn't paid off against the Bucks. They've been better. They've defeated him. They've stopped him at every opportunity. And even tonight, when it was fairly effective, uh, I mean, not great. 7 of 17 from the floor, 2 of 4 from the three-point range. Unfortunately, not getting to the line very much. Just four three-throw three attempts. Also finished with eight rebounds and six attempts. I'm sorry, six assists in 38 minutes of play. It, it seemed like nobody else was able to step up. And that's... Not Bam necessarily. Bam was the second leading scorer on the team with 17 points. 7 to 14 from the field. And again, active, looking for his shot from the mid-range. But you play Trevor Reza for 18 minutes, 0 points. 29 minutes for Goran Dragic, 8 points. 24 minutes for Duncan Robinson, 2 points. 
you're not getting a lot of complimentary scoring in that starting lineup for the Heat. And so there's only so much Jimmy Butler and Bam and Adebayo can do if everybody else isn't. And before that, it was kind of the other way around. You need more from Jimmy. You need more from Bam. So hard to say. I think, um, well, we'll save it there. I, I want to do talk a little bit about the inequity in that starting lineup and whether or not the offense has been a little off or not and what Eric Spolstra can do, if anything, to make any changes moving forward. But I also want to tell you a little bit about rockauto.com. You know, it's so hard to find the right parts for your car or truck. Especially if you go to a, a chain store and you ask person behind the counter what they have available. They start looking at their computer. They find the parts that maybe they carry on their warehouse or something like that. Why would you do that when you've got access to computers in your pocket or at home? Just go to rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site. And you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. So tomorrow's episode will probably be a little bit more of a, a breakdown type analysis of what's going on with the game. Look at some of that shot making or lack thereof from uh, some of Miami's key players. But kind of want to address some more of the, the larger talking points tonight because I, I feel like uh, a lot of it well, it's getting broken down or talked about. Certainly uh, my new friends over in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and wherever they might be from certainly like reminding me of all my bad takes as if it's going to be some kind of hurtful exercise for me to understand that Miami lost. And sure, I'm not happy about it. I don't think anybody who covers a team wants to cover a team that's depressed and looking to end their season probably within a couple of days. I, I, this is about me being able to talk about this team and, and, and see them perform at a highest level and cover that and talk about it and explore it and, and do everything that fans of that team want from a podcast. It's not about me uh, – you know, gravitating towards certain players or anything like that. So that's that's a ridiculous. I could go back and forth about that. And certainly, from the Bucks fans' perspective, I've probably been doing too much backing and forthing. But the reality is that uh, I thought this series would play out very differently. And anybody, including all those people that now have Bambi avatars or profiles or whatever the hell they've got going on, uh, none of them, no matter what shit they're talking right now, expected this to be as dominant a performance for Milwaukee. You looked at Game One. And exactly how it played out, yes, I think you you look at how bad Milwaukee shot from the floor, but given that Jimmy and Bam Adebayo both struggled from the floor as well, I don't think anybody really considered this to be, again, Milwaukee's complete and total dominating series moving forward. And a lot of the points that I brought up prior to this series, and, and I still stick with that, I, I still believed that Miami... And what we had seen from them in the past, certainly in the bubble, and certainly from Jimmy Butler, certainly based on his comments, all of that was just kind of trending towards Miami being able to respond differently, certainly better. And that just hasn't been the case. They've gotten punched repeatedly. They've gotten punched several times by several different players. They've allowed 
role players like Brent Forbes or Bobby Portis or Dante DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton, who really struggled in the bubble last year, has looked much more improved. And I think that just goes to show you that if you add a good player like Drew Holiday, he can change things considerably for the Bucks. Everybody else on that roster looks better. Adedekumpo looks better. Even when he's not, let's say, having a huge monster performance, uh, he finished with 17 points, but he only played 33 minutes, 6 of 12 from the floor. He didn't really have to do anything. He's such a active body, so much bigger, 17 rebounds for him, and it changes the game in different ways. I don't think anybody saw that. I- I'm sorry. Even, even the truest... Bucks fans, and maybe there were a few out there who, because you know that's just the nature of fandom, they will say they predicted a sweep or something along those lines, and, and certainly it's still within the realm of possibility. But I think most people looked at the series, and given what we had seen from Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra and the rest of this Heat roster, it could have been very different. They've made changes. They've made changes to the roster. Budenholzer has been much more uh, flexible as a coach, and again, maybe that's part of he looks better as a coach because the team looks better. It's hard to pin it on one way or the other. Again, I made that argument about Spolstra. I made that argument about Popovich, and I think that sticks to Budenholzer as well. I know Bucks fans were very reactionary. Even some of the ones criticizing me now on Twitter are still have the fire bud avatar going uh, if they haven't replaced it with a Bambi again. But as far as you know, what the series has been for for Milwaukee and for Miami, I, I really expected Miami to be able to change their approach. In uh, yesterday's presser, this is you know obviously being recorded on Thursday, on Wednesday when they address media after a day off uh, and not having practiced, I saw Jimmy Butler, I saw Goran Dragic. They looked they looked like they were comfortable. They looked like they weren't scared or shaken or panicking or anything like that. And you thought they'd have something up their sleeve that maybe they'd find something that they'd break down the tape, review it differently, try to get different looks going. None of that manifested. And I, I don't know where to lay the blame if any blame should be laid. It just feels like this is the harshest of mirrors being exposed to the heat or, or, or exposing them to themselves and, and holding up a reflection that they weren't ready for. That maybe they just never were as good. Maybe they were never as dominant. Maybe they just – it's not to say, of course – that last year's run was a fraud or a, a fluke or anything ridiculous like that. And I'll certainly address that over the next couple of days, regardless of where, how the series pans out or whether or not uh, their se- season ends on Saturday. And the next game is Saturday afternoon with a 1.30 tip-off. So it's plenty of time for you, if they do wind up getting swept, for you to enjoy the rest of your night. So that's a, a good thing to look forward to, if nothing else. But as far as you know how how this team has responded it, it's been strange i don't think anybody really saw this you know you hoped that goran would be a little bit more healthy a little bit more impactful in his minutes i thought ariza could do some things offensively he has been not great out there and everybody else all the role players have been disastrously bad 4 of 10 shooting from tyler hero 2 of 4 in 17 minutes from kendrick nunn off the bench Andre Iguodala, 16 minutes, three points. You're not going to get a lot of scoring from him, but even Dwayne Dedman, look, he was, I wouldn't say dominant, but he was putting up pretty solid numbers during the regular season. He's been completely reduced to a shell of that player that we saw over the last few weeks, and there was always some danger, something I had said about that, that they were relying on these guys that they had just signed, like Ariza and Dedman, uh, to provide more of a scoring punch than they really had, and I think it's kind of exposed them a little bit. Again, uh, all of, the, all of the worst possible scenarios for Miami have come to fruition.
But anyway, it's just it's hard to really take anything too specific from this because it feels like again every time you look back at what happened to tonight's game and there is some big picture issue or narrative kind of coming to at least in my perspective uh, building to some sort of head here as far as you know it's just exposing Miami as either a, a poorly built team or that just Jimmy Butler might not be able to carry the team a lot of way the same way that we expected him to, or the way that we saw from him last year. There's so much to break down. Like, again, even the little things, like there are little things here, Bam at a bio and, and everybody criticizing him, uh, you know, Eric Spolstra, whether or not he's making the right changes. I mean, Nemanja Bielica played 18 minutes and wound up scoring 14 points. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, this is the floor spacing big. This is the guy that Miami needs uh, in order to change the game. And I did send out a tweet, and I know Bucks fans are already riding with it because it's like, oh, down bad now because you're pointing out the fact that Kelly Olenek might have helped Miami. But I feel like what we're all forgetting collectively, including them, but of course they didn't watch the team, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, Olenek shooting was great. And the Olenek-Bam combo when they were starting in the backcourt there, or sorry, in the frontcourt, they, they were putting up very good numbers. And I think he just provides something, a different element, you know. Look, they were, Myers Leonard wasn't getting any playing time, but they didn't need Myers Leonard because they had Jay Crowder shooting 45%. I can't overstate that enough. I, I know it maybe it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. And I've already pointed out the fact that I think Victor Oladipo could have made a difference. I don't think Holiday goes off for 19 points. I don't think Bryn Forbes has the second game that he does if Oladipo is out there as another viable perimeter defender. You know, we're all debating whether or not Goran Dragic or Kendrick Nunn should start. Hell, neither of them should be starting if Victor Oladipo is available and healthy. Of course, he wasn't. So that changes things for Miami. And I know it sounds like excuse-making. I know Bucks fans have already taken that and run with it as well. But, you know, that's that's them. their their inability to uh, to see that, you know, as fans are. You know, they're passionate about their team. They're following their team. And they're, they're having great success against Miami. So right now, that's all they see. And... Maybe that's the way it should be, but as far as Heat fans are concerned, I don't know what they do moving forward. I think that's a, a big question mark here. I don't, you know, Jimmy Butler right now wrapping up his presser saying that he's not, he's not worried about the history of being down 0-3 and and the difficulties of trying to launch a comeback and things of that sort. That I don't know how much I buy that. Whether or not it's just him trying to stay positive, positive. There's there's no winning for him. It's lose, lose all the way. Either you say, damn, yeah, we're falling apart. You get roasted for the next couple of days until you get eliminated in game four, or you continue to at least put the best face possible in public. Uh, and so I think he's doing the right thing and trying to remain positive. But it's, it's hard to, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I can't see any way that that team is able to find any sort of sliver of hope out of this last couple of games. They've been beaten pretty thoroughly there, and I don't know that Eric Spolster can make any adjustments. It's not Bielitsa, it's not Iguodala, you know, it's not Deadman. I think that's been pretty obvious too. I thought maybe Deadman in the starting lineup would make a change there, but he's too slow. Uh, he, he's not a long-range threat, and he's not he's not big enough to out-rebound Brook Lopez. I'll tell you that much. Uh, he's not even big enough to out-rebound Bobby Portis or Giannis Antetokounmpo. They've got some serious size in that Milwaukee roster, and it's certainly been a problem for the Heat to contain. But uh, if you've got any chances, look, you know, unfortunately, the Lockdown Bets podcast predicted a big game for Jimmy Butler. That didn't come to fruition. But if you want to place a bet yourself, 
Then go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, but so many other sports action taking place with the start of the new WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, of course, the NHL, and much, much more. Head over to Bet Online or on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. As teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. And when you're done with that, why don't you treat yourself with the best tasting protein bar ever, Built Bar. Listen, nine delicious flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. You can't go wrong with all of the different flavors that are available. There are seasonal flavors available sometimes for a limited time as well, but all of them filled with all the nutrients you might be looking for and all the great taste that you won't find in any other protein bar. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar because they're so good. It feels like an indulgent treat. And best of all, right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your first order. You can build a box with all of your favorite flavors, give them away to friends, family, or keep them all for yourself. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off, but only at BuiltBar.com. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, I was on the uh, Locked On Today podcast with Peter, who happens to be a Wisconsin native. And, uh, well, we talked about the game a little bit, so go check that out when you're done listening to this episode. Not quite sure where to take the show from here. Uh, these are the nights where it's a little bit more difficult for you to fly solo because there's not a lot to take away from one game other than it's a pretty bad one. I mean, I can go player to player here and kind of look at it. Trevor Ariza. It's hard to make a case for him to get any kind of playing time moving forward, but the reality is that there aren't a lot of options. 18 minutes, 0 for 4 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3-point range. Again, small playing time. Not much of a sample size, but we've seen this over the course of the last few weeks. Ariza's shot hasn't been falling. He's not getting to the rim. Something he was able to do a little bit more effectively towards the end of the regular season. But of course, with Brooke Lopez camping out there for multiple seconds, it's kind of harder for anybody to get to the paint. And I, I think that's the reality. Uh, look, uh, Eric Neem, I believe, is the pronunciation of The Athletic, wrote a great piece about this last year about, I think it was even prior to the hiatus in mid-March, about what made Lopez's defense and rim protection so effective because at that point in time, there were cases that were, you know, pretty, I think, well-documented about either Lopez or Adetokounmpo being in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, something that doesn't seem likely, but it, the Milwaukee Bucks had a pretty good defense, and both Adetokounmpo and Lopez were a big part of that. You can throw Middleton in there. I, I think... Lopez does a pretty good job of staying in the paint, and I know they talked about it, that he's tagging people as they're walking by. As they're cutting through the court, he kind of puts a hand on them, and that kind of makes it seem like he is not just standing there in the court. He's guarding somebody. He's just not occupying space for more than three seconds at a time. And then he's very good because of his wide steps. He's able to just have one toe out. He's very good at timing it where he has one toe out, 
for just enough, and that kind of starts the clock going again. I think you all know this, and if you don't, well, there's your little course and what makes Brook Lopez so well, why he's able to stay in the painted area for as long as he has, too. So I think that's a big part of what makes Milwaukee's defense so good. But you also have to give credit to Holiday being able to keep up with anybody on the perimeter. He's been, he's guarded every one of Miami's perimeter options at one point or another. He switches on the Jimmy, he switches on to Ariza, uh, he takes on Dragic and Robinson. Adebayo, he's a different case because, again, he starts from the elbow, he's looking to make the play. No dribble handoffs, or very few, have been run between him and, and you know uh, Duncan Robinson, which was a big, hefty part of Miami's offense. And just has not been available for them. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Chris Middleton has done a phenomenal job of staying with Robinson. So uh, Ariza, to go back to that point, I just, there aren't any other options. Is it time to bring out Casey Opala? I can't imagine that it is. I can't imagine that would make a lot of difference. Look, I, I jokingly tweeted, oh, it's time for Max Struess to get some playing time. But at least he's a guy who can get a shot off. Maybe. You know, again, can he get his shot off over Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday if they're guarding him as closely as they did Duncan? Probably not. And so that you know leads to Duncan and his performance. Again, minimized in last year's playoff matchup against Milwaukee. Tonight, just one of six from the floor in 24 minutes. 0 for 4 from three-point range. He got one shot at the rim when he made a brilliant cut there to get to the rim off an Adebayo pass, I want to say. I can't recall exactly now who it was, but either way, that was his one and only score of the night, a minus 13 plus minus for him. So not a great night for him or anybody else in the Heat roster. Nobody had a good game. I think Bielitsa, you could argue, maybe had his the best game. Uh, and even that wasn't particularly good. Miami still got blown out there. So that's, you know, you look at what Eric Spolcher can do, what kind of changes he can make. I'm sure you can run different play sets and try to get different open looks for uh, Adebayo. Still not a lot of uh, facing off to, you know, Brook Lopez. No kind of initiating him, you know, an offense or a one-on-one situation where he can drive at Brook. We saw it on some occasion there, but I do have to believe that Adebayo is, if not scared necessarily, He's being very overly cautious. And look, a lot of people, even local media members, making a great case of uh, Bam not being active and looking for the basket, not taking his shot and things of that sort. I saw a better version of Adebayo today, a guy who was trying to look for fouls, trying to even get through contact. He put up a great effort for the most part, and it just wasn't enough. And I think that's been the case all series long, is that you, again... I feel like I've repeated this a lot between my performance here and on Locked On uh, today, but I just I, I expected Jimmy to have a bigger game. You expected Jimmy to have bigger performances of the like that we saw last year in the playoffs, or you know, especially what we saw from him in the NBA Finals, and that has been the case. And I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he's beat. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't think any of those things are necessarily true, but I th- think they have just done a better job of making things difficult for him and he's not able to get to the line as easily as he did last year and you recall he was historically good from the free throw line and in getting to the line you know better or second best to James Harden for most of the last season and that made a huge difference in him being able to have incredible games throughout the playoffs that just hasn't been the case so far and I don't know that we will I don't know if the referees will certainly, uh, you know, try to keep the series alive by giving Miami a friendly whistle or anything like that. I, I tend to never think that the whistles are really 
what changes the outcome of a game. I know fans on any side of the equation will argue that their team gets an unfair whistle from time to time. I, I've made the point very infrequently over the years of me covering the team. I never really thought that officiating has changed the outcome. It's been frustrating at times, perhaps, you know, because even tonight, there were moments there where there was just multiple call, multiple calls for moving screens. And it just seems like referees are going back and forth like, oh, I'm going to give Milwaukee the, the whistle this time. And then a ref on the other end gives it to Miami and back and forth. It just it seemed that way. And ultimately, that, that, that doesn't matter. That's not what changed the game. It's not that they called an extra foul on Bama Bio early. It's the fact that they shot 28% from three-point range, that they shot 37% from the field overall, just 32 made field goal attempts, 32 of 85. You know, that Milwaukee had a very prolific shooting night they only attempted four more shots from the field and five more shots from uh, the free throw line. Four more three-point goals. You know, 13 of 36 they shot. Miami, 9 of 32. That's the difference. If Miami takes and makes four, point, four more three-point shots, they have just as good a three-point shooting night as Milwaukee. You know, whatever. Hey, what are you going to do? At this point, I think... The problem hasn't been the th- well. The three-point shooting has been an issue, and there is also they just haven't been able to hit any shots. They aren't missing the same bunnies that they did in Game One and things of that sort. You saw Jimmy be able to, to at least finish at the rim, and Bam try to do more as far as putting a little bit more height on his shot. Uh, you know, using a lot of bank because I think he has to use the glass in order to get that shot off over Lopez. They're trying. It's just been uh, an effort that ultimately falls just short and and just isn't enough. I I don't know. I don't know if they bounce back in game four. I'll talk about that a little bit more in tomorrow's show. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. Of course, thanks to all of our sponsors. You can always uh, email me at LockdownHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter. You can contact me using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. I'm David Ramil, signing off for now. Um.